Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Book of Mormon podcast. This is Brad Constantine, and we're going to be doing Lesson 35 today. This is going to cover Helaman chapters 13 to 16 for the time period August 31st through September 6th. So these chapters, especially 13 through 15, is going to be about Samuel the Lamanite and his prophecies that he's going to be giving to the people. I often wonder uh, why it is and, and how it was that he came to the city of Zarahemla. Remember that Nephi and Lehi and probably other righteous people are also in the city of Zarahemla, and uh, they're preaching the gospel, but it's not being accepted. So here comes Samuel the Lamanite from his own city to the city of Zarahemla to preach, and I wonder what gave him authority to do that other than God, but I'm wondering if maybe he was in Area 70, that he'd been assigned to the state conference in Zarahemla, that as he preached for a few days and got kicked out, that he came back and then gets up on the wall to, to preach to them. So I'm just kind of wondering the what what authorized him that way, just uh, curiosity. Not not uh, something important for our salvation, just wondering. All right, so Samuel gets up on the wall, um, they, uh, because they, they kick him out of the city when he starts to preach. And his prophecy is mostly about their repenting, and if they don't repent, uh, how they're going to um, be destroyed, and that the Spirit's going to be withdrawn from, from the people if they don't repent. And so most of his discussion here is going to be about uh, them repenting. Uh, which is also good counsel for us, um, that we need to be doing the same thing. Uh, and so that's why these are good things to read about. Um, and so he's going to be covering that principle uh, as he talks. Now, um, he's talking also about some history and that some people in the past didn't repent. And, and he's also going to mention down as we get into verse uh, 31 uh, that their riches become slippery. And that's kind of the focus of these Nephites is that they're trying to get gain and they're going to do it whatever way they can, whether they have to kill people or steal or it doesn't matter. As long as they get treasures and riches, that's their main objective. And so he's teaching them here about the evils of, of doing that and that they need to repent of that. When we get down into chapter 14, then Samuel is going to be talking about some prophecies about the second coming in verse, or in the, of the first coming of Jesus Christ. In verse 2, he mentions that within five years, Jesus is coming. Now, we know that among the Nephites that they knew that from the time that, that Lehi left Jerusalem, that it would be 600 years when the Savior would come. And so now as Samuel is preaching, he says that there's going to be five years left until the Savior does come. And then he gives in verse 3 a sign. He says... Uh, You'll know this because there will be a night uh, in which there will be no darkness insomuch that it shall appear unto man as if it was day. Therefore, there shall be one day and a night and a day as if it were one day and there were no night. And this shall be unto you for a sign and ye shall know of the rising of the sun and also of its setting. Therefore, they shall know of a surety that there shall be two days and a night. Nevertheless, the night shall not be darkened and it shall be the night before he is born. And so we know that this uh, this new star arises. It mentions in verse 5. <clears throat> you wonder uh, what star that was. How did that get there? How did it uh, show light upon, the, upon one continent or one side of the world and not the other? Because we don't read about that uh, 
that the other continent, uh, the Old World side, actually saw the uh, bright light that lasted all night, uh, but they did see the new star. So Hugh Nibley says this. He suggests that the light was due to a supernova. He notes that there was such a supernova recorded in the year 1054 that could be seen all over the world. It was almost as bright as the sun. The supernova exploded and became the Crab Nebula today. Uh, so <clears throat> anyway, we we think that uh, that perhaps a new star was a supernova that might have exploded that would have caused light to be at least on the, the Western Hemisphere. Um, and so then, but then in verse 5, it mentions a new star would arise. That would be the sign. So the, si the star would have happened after the supernova, if that's how it happened. And he also mentions that there's going to be other signs and wonders in heaven, <clears throat> not just the star appearing, but other signs too that, uh, that would be amazing to the people. However, the thing about signs is that they don't convert. Um, we can have the signs, and yes, they, they will be there, and, and hopefully to convince us to repent and to be prepared for things to come, but that's not a sign that, uh, that's not something that converts. It's, it's repentance and faith that convert, and so that's what he's trying to get them to do here. When we get down into verse 20, he mentions that there'll be another sign regarding the death of Jesus, and that is that there'll be three days of darkness um, upon the face of the land, <clears throat> mentions in verse 20, the sun shall be darkened and refuse to give his light unto you and also the moon and the stars and there shall be no light upon the face of this land even from the time that he shall suffer death for the space of three days to the time that he shall rise again from the dead. And so he's, he's mentioning here that there's going to be three full days of, of darkness upon the western hemisphere at the death of Jesus and that the, that the darkness will then dissipate upon his resurrection. Uh, verse, in verse uh, 21, it mentions that there'll be thunderings and lightnings for the space of many hours. And we think that that was probably at the time that Jesus was on the cross, the last three hours of, of the atonement, when he suffered again the, the effects of the atonement while he was on the cross. And that those three hours is probably when, this, uh, when the thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes are occurring on the Western Hemisphere. And, and verse 25 then mentions that uh, after all of this, that many graves will be opened <clears throat> and shall, shall yield up many of their dead and many saints shall appear unto many. Um, and so we have at the resurrection of Christ that uh, in the new world, we, or in the old world, we know that it also mentions that the graves were opened and many people uh, went into the city that were resurrected. And here we say, here we show that in the new world as well, that they're going to have uh, people being resurrected. And these are the righteous uh, those that have, have attained to a celestial glory will, will be those that are resurrected when Jesus is resurrected. <clears throat> and so he's mentioning here um, about, uh, in verse 29, a righteous judgment might come upon them. So in other words, those that don't repent, if they, uh, if they don't repent, that they will have known better. And so that whatever judgments occur will be, will be just judgments upon them. Chapter 15 is a continuation of uh, Samuel's prophecies. Again, uh, talking about how important it is to be chastened by the Lord, that, that when we falter, when we go off the track, that the Lord's there to help us and he sends his prophets to call us back to repentance. Uh, he then talks about <clears throat> um, in the latter times, how the Lord in verse 12, how the Lord extends to the Lamanites many blessings uh, and that uh, he won't utterly destroy all the people of the Lamanites uh, in the last days. And then chapter 16 the people, some of them get converted and they go to Nephi to get baptized uh, because remember Nephi is still the authorized priesthood leader. Um, Samuel is just a visiting authority that's come, maybe in Area 70, I don't know, just making that up. 
anyway, Samuel, after his talk is done, after he's finished preaching, and they're trying to kill him, uh, verse 2 mentions that they cast stones at him, they shoot arrows at him, and they just can't hit him. And so eventually uh, Samuel gets down off of the wall and, and heads back home, uh, goes back to his place among the Lamanites. And, uh, but the, the Nephites then are uh, without excuse, and that there are some that believe and some that don't. And uh, those that, that believe went to Nephi to be baptized, and they repent and, and are converted again. And then there are some that still are just hardened and will not uh, repent. We'll see what happens in the next few chapters as we get into Third Nephi, because uh, there will be a confrontation here between the righteous and the wicked. I bear testimony that these things are true and hope that this has been a good lesson for you to understand some of the prophecies of Samuel the Lamanite and that we need to be looking also forward for the signs of the second coming and uh, not be asleep but be, be paying attention to those as well. I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.